I'll never forget, as long as I live, my first day of ninth grade. I'm going to tell you about that. Take your Bibles and turn. To call, <clears throat> I get all choked up just thinking about it. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Because today, as we look at this passage of Scripture that teaches us where we go from here, the Bible tells us a lot about how we look. And I know when kids go back to school, how they look is really, really important. I know the, the fashion trends, they change all the time. Some of us are stuck in a certain decade that we just enjoy. But, you know, kids, it seems like every five seconds they're looking at, at some new fashion trend. But God tells us in this passage today that it really does matter how we look, how we put on our, in our Christian life and how we project that to the lost world and how we even live in what we wear around one another. Yes, it's back to school time. I know, as I said, I'm sure that the kids are not excited. Parents are ecstatic that it's time once again to go back and to use their brain again after it being in hibernation for several, several months. But one of the most important things of going back to school is how you dress. I mean, it's a big deal for a lot of kids and what they wear. I'll never forget, as long as I live, my first day of school in ninth grade. I went to a public high school after eight years of going to a private school where we wore uniforms every day. My fashion sense was not all that great. And, you know, when you're going into ninth grade, it's kind of a big deal because, you know, it's high school. It was a public school. I knew two people in this whole school, and neither of them talked to me. That's how cool I was in ninth grade. But my mom had taken me shopping for, you know, we went a couple of times for a few weeks before, and I was kind of stockpiling all of these clothes that I was going to wear. And I'm just going to be as transparent as I can with you all today, and, and you're just going to hear a side of your pastor that you just haven't heard before. But my clothes options were so limited I even wrote down what I wore every single day to make sure that I rotated those outfits and shirts. I know, I, I, but I'm just being honest that that's just how, how it was. I just didn't want to, to wear the same thing. But what I wore the first day of ninth grade, I never wore again. It was not back in the rotation. The first day of school... And mind you, I had to ride the bus, and I knew no one. And so I thought that my outfit looked really good until the bus came to pick me up. And the moment that every kid, and I was the second to last stop on the bus, so it was packed. I thought I looked fantastic until the bus rolled up and I saw the entire bus just shaking and rolling with laughter when they saw what I had on. I had on a, a pink and white striped shirt, which by itself was a, a nice looking shirt, but a pink and white striped shirt. I had on green pants, <laughs> like mow your lawn grass green pants, okay? I had on brown suede shoes with white socks. And I had even rolled my pants up to my ankles, so, yeah, I know, it's bad, isn't it? You're like, mm, bless his heart. I had even rolled my pants up so you could see the socks, the white tube socks that I had on with these brown suede shoes, green 
pants and pink and white striped shirt and I got on the bus and I wanted to crawl under the bus. I felt like I looked like an idiot because I did. I was just, I just did not have the right fashion sense. Now, going to the first day of school, it's important. I wanted to go back home. I wanted to change. I wanted to just, you know, but nobody was at my house, so that was not an option. I had to go for seven hours to school looking just like that, going class to class, meeting all of these people that I was going to spend four years with. And this was the first impression that I was making of them. How many of you feel bad for me? Some of you are blaming my parents right now, I'm sure. How could you let him leave the house like that? But the Bible even talks about what we put on in our Christian life. And there are times that we walk out of our house clothed with something that we think looks pretty good. Until we get a glance at it and we realize just how foolish we really look. I mean, we put on bitterness. We put on greed. We put on selfishness. We put on anger. We put on all of these things that we wear and we're just flashing them through the community and we think that we look okay until all of a sudden we catch a glimpse of how foolish we look and how little like Jesus we actually seem. And so Paul tells the church... If you're going to make progress in your Christian life, if you're really going to take steps toward where God wants you to go, how you look and what you put on and how you live in what you wear really does matter. And so today, we're all going to do a bit of self-examination. We're all going to look in the mirror this morning, as painful as it might be. We're not going to just look at the outside of what we put on when we left the house today, but what characteristics of Christ did we actually put on this morning and how many of those are part of our wardrobe? And how many of those in leaving this place today do we need to add to our wardrobe? Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12 through verse 17 teaches us how we look and makes us think how we look to reflect the person of Jesus Christ. If you found Colossians chapter 3 and you're able to, would you stand as we read together God's word? Beginning in verse 12 through verse 17. The Bible says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray together. Fathers, we have opened your word and 
in this moment, God, as we continue to have our hearts and minds open to you. We pray, God, that you would speak to us in a powerful way today. Father, may we all do the kind of self-examination that is in keeping with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, may we just expose our lives to you today and in reality look at how we are imitating and walking in and following closely the pattern of the Lord Jesus. God, may you do a tremendous wardrobe exchange with us today. And Father, if there are things that we need to do without, Father, may you take them from our life. And if there are things that we need to add to, may you add them to us richly according to your grace. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This text of scripture really describes two aspects of the Christian life. And that is how we look in what we wear and how do we live in what we wear. You know, sometimes the things that we put on, we think they look okay, but they are tremendously uncomfortable. Some things that we put on, we wear them, but we feel uncomfortable in them. And so the Bible today teaches us that we need to not only put on the right thing, but we need to live comfortably in them. Let's look first of all at what the Bible says about how we look and what we wear. You notice that the scripture teaches us, In verse 12, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he lists several things that we are to put on. But he calls us these who have been set aside, these that have been set apart from the world. And he even uses the word holy. You see, when Paul talks about these descriptions to the church and when he is describing these things that we are to add to our life, he does so not so that we can be saved, but because we have been saved. Because we have been set apart by God. Because we've been called to be holy. You see, none of us can take this as a checklist And say, okay, God, I want to know that when my life is over, that I can step out of this world and step into heaven and have an eternal relationship with you because I've been a nice person. Because I've been kind to other people. Because I didn't kick my neighbor's dog or because I brought a pie to someone who lost a loved one. Because I was a good person. Now, the Bible says that the reason that we put on these things It's because we've already been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We put on these qualities because we already belong to him. We are the called out ones. We are the set apart ones. We have been sanctified by Christ and called to be holy. Is that you today? Do you know for certain that if your life were to end today, that God has called you to be one of his own, that his Holy Spirit drew you to himself and that you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and cleansed of all of your sin? Friend, if you have no confidence of that today, that this checklist will do you no good as any checklist in the world of do's and don'ts, it's not about what you can look like, it's about who you belong to. Paul says because you've already put on Christ, because you have called been called to be holy. Look at these things that he says that we must put on then as those who belong to God. He says, first of all, put on a compassionate heart. This is a heart that looks for the concerns of other people. 
A heart that looks beyond what makes us happy, but a heart that seeks to bring joy to other people. I look around this room and I see lots of people that I know personally have looked beyond themselves to benefit the needs of other people. And I hate to break it to you, but at the core of every single one of us, as nice as we can be and as as servant-minded as we can be, at our core, we are selfish people. We want what we want and when we want it. And it takes a supernatural event to have a compassionate heart to say, God, it's not about me. What can I do to bless other people? But Paul says, listen, since you've been called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, a compassionate heart belongs to those that know Jesus Christ. Friend, think about how compassionate God's heart is toward you. Think about how little you deserve to have the grace of God, how little you deserve to be called a child of God, and yet he has been so good to you. Now then go and imitate that. Go and look beyond what would make you happy and say, God, how can I be a blessing to those that need to be blessed? How can I serve those who have needs in their life? How can I have a compassionate heart, he says, to put on kindness? You know, honestly, that's one of the easiest things that we can do is just be kind. My kids will tell you that when we go on road trips, or we're all in the car together, there's five of us, there are five personalities in that car, that it is a wonder that we are all still living and breathing today. <laughs> My rule in the car is either be kind or be quiet. And sometimes I wonder if they know how to do either. <laughs> But being kind, listen, it's like your mama used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Quiet is golden. It is amazing. And if you can't learn to be kind, but again, having kindness flows from having a compassionate heart to where you have sympathy for others. You look out for them and you love them dearly to put on humility and meekness and patience. These just flow with one another. That softness of heart, that willingness to put the needs of others ahead of yourself. Friend, the Bible has called us to be holy. The Bible has called us to love one another. The Bible has called us to look out for each other. Listen, the church should be the one place where we feel the most like family, perhaps even more than your own biological family. You have any crazy uncles? You have any black sheep in your family? And by the way, if you can't think of them, then you're probably it. <laughs> but in every biological family, there are those that you just, you just have to keep your eye on. You know, you're just not quite sure that, that, that they came from the same line that you did. But listen, the church is no different because we are so unique in all of the personalities that make up this body of Christ. But what the Bible calls us to do is to work with one another and to be patient and kind and gentle with each other so that we're constantly serving one another as Christ has served us. So the question is, how do we do that? Do we just flip a switch and one day just start acting kind? Do we just one day just start smiling and loving other people? How do we get there? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul gives us three simple steps to put on these things and how to practice them inside the church. Notice what they are in verses 13 and 14. The first one he says, 
bearing with one another. Friend, if there is any lesson that you could learn today, it is to bear with one another. The, the, the easiest way that I can explain this to you is just put up with each other. Just bear with each other. Have you ever been around somebody that it just took every ounce of self-control not to just slap them silly? Don't point. It's not nice. <laughs> but sometimes a personality, sometimes the way they do something, sometimes people are so slow or sometimes people are just, you know, they're just, they just move in a different rhythm of life than you do. They walk to the beat of their own drum. And sometimes it takes everything within you not to just spout off at the mouth or just pull them along or shake them and want them to change. And the Bible says, bear with them. Because when we think about our walk with Christ, how much does Jesus have to bear with us? How much foolishness and how many poor decisions and how much slowness and how much disobedience does God have to put up with us when he is bearing with us in his grace and in his mercy? And the Bible says, do that for one another. Just as God puts up with you, find ways to put up with each other. Bear with each other. And then he goes on to say, and if one has a complaint against another, hello, Forgive each other. Forgiving each other, he says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There, Paul, in four phrases, says the same thing four times. I think it's kind of important. He doesn't say, listen, if somebody aggravates you, go to the church down the street. He doesn't say, hey, if somebody upsets you, just move to a different part of the sanctuary and act like they don't belong or act like they don't exist. He says, if somebody has something against you or you have something against someone, the Bible says, forgive that person. Just as Christ in God forgave you. Friend, there are a truckload of sins that we could list this morning, and each of us could list all of the things that God has personally forgiven about our life. And when you look around this room, as deep as the hurt might be, as difficult as it might be to forgive, and as painful as it might be to get past, the Bible says, just as God has done that for you, make the effort and do it for one another. Why? Why should I forgive somebody when they've hurt me? Why should I get past it? Why do I have to get over it? Because it's when we act like that that we demonstrate the grace of Jesus Christ. We model for people that have no idea who Jesus is what it's like to be in a love relationship with God. We model for them what it means to have our name raked through the mud, to have our reputation smashed, to have lies told about us, to have hurtful things done and said. And when we can look in the face of the person who has been so rude and so mean and say, I love you in Jesus' name and I forgive you for everything that you've done, that's when we model the grace of a perfectly holy God over a sinful person like me and you. And that's what Paul has called us to. That's what God 
has called us to do. And then one last step, if that one wasn't hard enough, he says in verse 14, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. And wear it, because the Bible teaches us that love covers a multitude of sins. What would be too far? What would be too much? What would be that one sin that somebody could commit against you that you would say, you know, Pastor, I'm with you, except they did that and that is unforgivable. And yet God continues to show us grace and to pour out his mercy and to make them new every morning. And he teaches us inside the church, inside the family, that love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm asking you today, how do you look in what you've put on? And what you're wearing today, have you put on bitterness? How does that look? Have you put on jealousy or greed? Have you put on unforgiveness? How is that fitting around your life? How does that look today? Many years ago, Grace Cruz was working in a U.S. senator's office. One of her responsibilities was to give tours around the office and around the building. She was so busy this one particular day that she barely had enough time to even go to the bathroom, let alone to take a lunch break. She finally got to sit down, and as she was eating her lunch, she noticed that there was a woman looking at her from across the hall. She didn't have time to say anything or start a conversation. She just had to eat. Every time she would glance up, that woman was looking at her. She'd look up, the woman was looking at her. Finally, she just decided, well, I don't want to be rude, so I'll just wave, and maybe that'll be enough, and she'll stop looking at me. And so she looks up, and the woman's looking at her again. She waves, and guess what? The woman waves back. She puts her head down and she starts to eat again and then she realizes that what she was looking at is a mirror. I mean, she was looking at herself. <laughs> you know, when Gene sits on the front row, throws me off. He's not supposed to be sitting right there. Sometimes we put on so many things that we don't even recognize ourselves. We think, you know, hey, Pastor, I don't look like that. I'm a nice guy. Hey, I've gotten over that. I, I don't hold that grudge anymore. And yet when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we think, do I look like that? Have I become that ugly with bitterness and unforgiveness that that's what I look like? Bible teaches us today. Take all of that foolishness off and put on the character of Christ so that when we look at the mirror, we don't see a reflection of us. We see him. How do you look in what you wear? And then Paul asks a question. I ask a question on his behalf. How do you live in what you wear? What's the benefit of putting all of these things on? Well, we have to live in it. We actually have to go to school with what we put on in the morning. We have to go to work. We have to see our family. 
We have to actually function in what we put on. How do we do that? Notice what he says in verse 15. He said, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You see, friend, when the peace of Christ rules in our heart, we realize that we put on all of this stuff. We put on forgiveness. We put on love. We put on kindness and humility because we want peace inside the family. You want a fun family reunion? A fun family reunion is when there's about eight of y'all that are mad at each other, don't want to talk to each other, been spreading lies and talking about each other, and then you come together once a year for a family reunion. How much fun is that? How about coming to church like that? How about coming into a place where you want to sing about the grace of God? When you look across the room and there's no grace in the room. How about sitting in a Bible study class after worship with a couple of people that you think have said something ugly about you, and yet you open up your Bible and you're supposed to talk about the fruit of the Spirit? That's fun, isn't it? You see, the Bible says the reason we put on all of that stuff, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the humility, is because the peace of God needs to rule in our heart. We do it because we deserve to have peace in the family. God deserves to see peace lived out within us. Friend, I learned a long time ago that church disunity is a direct result to spiritual immaturity. In fact, there was a pastor who was sitting down with some children, doing a children's sermon one Sunday morning. And as they sat down, he was telling them about you. And he was telling them how important it was to have unity and, and to make that kind of stick in their brains. He said, we all need to be one. The Bible calls us to be one. A little girl raised her hand. She said, Pastor, I don't want to be one. I want to be four. <laughs> do we want to be one? Not in spiritual immaturity, but do we want to be one body, one family that loves each other? That's why we should put the peace of Christ in us and wear it proudly. Has this church ever had a time when peace didn't exist? This church ever had a time when it seemed like things weren't going real well and there wasn't a whole lot of peace and there were some rocky waves and some difficult days? Yes, every church has. But how do you get through that? Does it just take time no, friend, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of prayer seeking after the spirit of the living God to calm the waters and to have the Lord Jesus show up and say, peace, be still. That's exactly what every church needs because when there is peace, Jesus is there. When there is peace in the boat, that means that, that Jesus is there calming the storm. And we can't live without that. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because you were called to be one body. Then he says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, when there's peace, then Jesus shows up to wrap his arms around the church. And you know how we get Jesus to stay? You know how we have the spirit of the living God moving in this place? It's in our time of worship in our time of digging into the Word of God, in our time of lifting our songs to God and singing praises to Him. Not when we walk through these doors and we sit there wanting to be entertained. Not when we walk through these doors hoping to hear something that we want to hear, but when we walk through these doors saying, God, I want to give you every ounce of praise that you deserve. I want to dive into your Word so that my life is changed. I want to dive into your word so that our church grows deeper and the ministry of our church goes forward. Is that your prayer today? Is that what you desire for your life and for the life of our church? Is for God to do great things because his word is dwelling in us richly? There's lots of words that could be shared. There's lots of things that could be shared. There's lots of stories that could be shared. There's lots of alternate ways of thinking that could be shared. But the only thing that we need is God and his word. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 that we all need to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're to sing. We're to let the word of God dwell in us. We're to teach and admonish one another. We're to have a deep time of worship. Then finally he says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a pretty nice girl. I'm not a bad employee. I'm a pretty nice neighbor. I do my best to do what I can. Step back for just a moment and look at yourself in the mirror. Step back for just a moment and look at our church and examine our church and ask yourself, is the peace of Christ dwelling in us? Is the word of God here? Is the spirit of God moving? And is it moving in me? Because, friend, what we are as a body of Christ is we are a collection of what God is doing in each individual member. And the more that God is at work in you, the more that God will be at work in us. And the problem in our life is not what other people have done to us. The problem is not what other people are doing and not doing. We need to look deep inside of ourselves and sometimes having that self-examination is a little painful sometimes we look in the mirror and we look absolutely foolish there's a lady who is an actress and also a blogger on the internet and she decided that for a week she would let her three-year-old son pick out her clothes and she was going to write about it take pictures now if you have a three-year-old if you've raised one or you know a three-year-old, they make some very interesting wardrobe changes. 
and some wonderful wardrobe decisions. They will put on stuff that not only doesn't fit, it doesn't match, it should have been thrown out, or it should be put on a doll and not on their body. It's an amazing thing. Now, if you're a grandparent, you think it's precious. If you're a parent, you say, you're not leaving the house looking like that. But this lady decided her three-year-old would pick out her clothes. And she would have on all of these mismatched things, and she just looked so foolish. But her best outfit, she walked down the stairs in this, and her husband didn't even notice. That's how bad it was for him. But the last outfit was a green army jacket over a blue flowered print dress with lime green and black knee-high socks and purple lace shoes. Some of you have seen people like that in Walmart. Maybe some of you are those people in Walmart. I don't know. (laughs) But you put on an outfit. And it's as mismatched as it comes. And as far as you're concerned, you don't see any issue. Because who cares if there's a little unforgiveness mixed with some bitterness? Who cares if there's a little malice mixed in with a little bit of greed? Who cares? Who's going to notice? I'm not going to tell anybody I feel that way. But the moment we step out of the house and too many times inside the house, it all becomes too clear that we have all of these things on us that do not belong. If you're a believer in Christ, and you have been granted eternal life through God's one and only Son, and you have eternal life. Friend, you have been called to be different. And not different by wearing a mismatched bunch of foolishness. You have been called and have been set apart to be holy unto the Lord and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And if there are parts of your wardrobe that do not belong, then treat this as your time of exchange. Give to God all of those things that don't fit. Give God all of those things that don't belong. Wad them up and throw them in a trash bag and say, God, they all belong to you. I want the peace of God. I want the word of God. I want the meekness of Christ. I want the forgiveness of your grace. I want to wear the gospel of Jesus so that other people know that I belong to you. And if you've never accepted Christ, don't begin by trying to be a good person. Begin by understanding that you're a sinner that needs the grace of God. And God has given that gift free to you today. When you receive his grace for the very first time, when you admit to God that you are a sinner, that you are lost outside of the family of God, outside of a relationship with God, then God clothes you with his righteousness and forgives you of all of your sin. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, then today is the day to trust in him. What kind of exchange are you going to make with God today? An exchange for even the very first time your sin for his grace? 
or as a believer in Christ, all of those things that don't belong, can receive from him all of those pieces of your wardrobe that you desperately need. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? So we pray and ask the Lord how we can go about making this exchange. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much that by your grace and for your glory, you have called us to be different. You have called us, Lord, to be set apart. You have called us, God, to reflect the character and the nature of Christ. And God, when we don't, your grace is still sufficient. When we fall short of your glory, your grace is always enough to lead us back to those paths of righteousness. God, if there's one person here today who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, God, may today be the day of a new beginning. Lord, if there are believers in this place that need to make an exchange with you of an old and tired and sinful wardrobe for one that shines in the brightness of Christ, God, may today be the day that they exchange those things and put on the character of Jesus. God, we ask that you would move during this time of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name.